Hello, my little sugar cubes. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. If you don't want to do what want to do, let's restore what to do. Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Welcome to the Fitness Manifest Podcast. My name is Teresa Sedeno. I'm a personal trainer and I'm helping bridge the gap between mental health and fitness. If you've listened to episode 17, you've heard my fitness and weight loss journey. There are some valuable lessons in there, like learning to love yourself, viewing exercise as a self-care activity rather than punishment, and celebrating progress rather than pursuing perfection. And while I've found that this approach works for me, it doesn't mean that it's the right approach for you. Perhaps you thrive when you have a detailed outline of your workouts, your macronutrients, and your daily caloric intake. Now, everyone is different, and your approach can vary. And that's why I've invited physical therapist assistant Dan Streb to share his weight loss journey. My hope is that his story and approach can show you an alternative way of reaching your fitness goals so that you can experiment and choose what strategies work best with your personality and lifestyle. Now, I met Dan last year while volunteering at Physical Therapy Dynamics. And shortly after, he celebrated 400 days of the P90X program. What inspired me the most from his story was his determination to reach his goals and his ability to adapt his diet so that he can enjoy delicious foods while maintaining his physique. And he's going to tell us all about it. So I want to welcome Dan to the podcast. Hey, how's it going today? It's good. It's good. I'm excited. I'm happy you're here. It's, it's good to see you after a while. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. So before we get into your actual weight loss uh, story, I want to kind of go back in time and learn a little bit about your childhood because I feel like a lot of our um, our routines, our relationship with our food and, and exercise really stems from our childhood. So mainly what rules you had in your house about eating um, and if you did any exercise when you were kids, playing sports, stuff like that. Yeah, I think the... Bulk of my um, exercise when I was younger came from sports. Growing up, there was never really a sort of structured nutrition program. Um, my mom would always try to do different things, different international cuisines. Some nights we'd have beef stroganoff. Sometimes we'd have like stir fry. But I think with her, her goal was always to present a healthy meal to the family. Um, that was always a... Um, an underlining factor with her. So whereas my other friends, it would be the weekend and they'd have pizza. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no pizza. Yeah. You're just stuck with, with the healthy foods, like, you know, veggies and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not necessarily like the push for healthy, but a push for homemade. Oh, okay. So we didn't do a lot of processed food. We always did fresh homemade food. And I think that kind of like pushed into my head, at least later in life, the importance of eating fresh food versus like processed food and stuff like that. That's a big lesson. That's a huge lesson, especially to learn um, as a kid. Like I even remember learning, I don't know 100%, you know, if this is accurate enough, but somebody was saying that um, even like baby food, like Gerber, don't sue me. Um, like Gerber food is like, has a lot of sugar in it. So even as a kids, like we're, we're starting to learn to enjoy sugar from just baby food. 
Yeah, I can see that. So if you, if even, so like even in the toddler or like mid tweens or teen years, like if you learned the value of healthy food and like just homemade food, like you're already a step ahead of like a lot of kids your age. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, we, we did the same things, me and my wife with um, our children. We got like this Nutribullet or Ninja and we would puree the food for the kids oh, and nice. then store them during the week in little like baby containers. So that way they were eating fresh food. That's awesome. Yeah. Is that like really time consuming or... It can be, but at the same time, you're saving a lot of money, too. I don't know if you've ever taken a look at the prices for buying the baby food, but if you're doing it at home, you're going to save some money. But like you said, it is a little time-consuming, so there is that trade-off. Okay. So then going back to, to your childhood story, um, you mentioned you played sports. Um, I remember you telling me you played baseball. Was that like just because you saw it on TV and you're like, that's cool? Or is it more of like a family tradition? Yeah, it was definitely more of a family tradition. Um, my dad played baseball. My older brother played baseball. So I was kind of groomed in that same manner to go out and play baseball. They would pitch balls to me in the backyard, playing catch with my dad when he'd come home from work, signing me up for Little League. Um, I was definitely kind of pushed into that direction of playing baseball. I started to branch out to different sports later in my teenage years, doing fencing, um, playing ice hockey, uh, eventually getting into like martial arts like jiu-jitsu and dabbling in boxing. So, you know, as I grew up, I still stayed athletic, but yeah, definitely I was kind of moved towards playing baseball as the primary athletic output. So you very, very healthy, just active childhood, it seems like. I mean, did you have any like weight issues back then? No, no. In fact, just the opposite. It felt like sometimes I couldn't put on weight no matter what I did. If I ate a lot, if I didn't eat a lot, I'd always like in my teenage years stay around 160 pounds. And that was kind of like where I'd be at, you know, it would never fluctuate too much. And then that stayed or that stayed the same until when like well, when did my you mid-20s really... okay yeah what was going on in the mid-20s what changed um i think number one my metabolism started to change started to shift i started to have more of a job where i was sitting for eight nine hours a day um i was answering phones in an office setting and i just moved out with my girlfriend who is my wife now into an apartment so she was making me all this lovely delicious food every night with a sitting down job and then when I got home I was tired I wouldn't want to go and like do athletic activities like rollerblading or playing street hockey so that combined with my metabolism changing I noticed hey I'm starting to put on five pounds here ten pounds here and before I know it, I went from like 160 to 180 to 190 to 200. And then I was like, whoa, 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 slow it down. So this, like the gradual, like gaining of the weight, how long did that take? Like a few years, a few months? No, we're talking like, yeah, six months. Oh, wow. So yeah. it was really quick. And especially because you lived such an active lifestyle and then it was like a complete 180 yeah. now with the sedentary job. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and I noticed other things too, like, you know, athletic ability was going down, my endurance was going down, 
I was getting more winded, doing more menial tasks where I wouldn't have been winded before. So I started to feel that in my mid-20s. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I've always wanted to put on weight, but now that I've had it, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> not, the, not the type of weight that you wanted. That's right, yeah. So then when was that turning point where you're like, all right, this is enough? You kind of mentioned it was like the, around the 200 mark that that like switch. Yeah, that's when I was just like, hey, this is kind of crazy. Like I've never been this high before. I don't feel comfortable being this high. So I tried to go out and be more active. And that seemed to counter it a little bit. But at the same time, it wasn't anything that I necessarily truly focused on because I was like, well, I'll always be able to bring it down. I just have to stop doing what I'm doing. And eventually it just didn't happen. I just kind of like 200 became the new norm. I was like, okay, as long as I stay around 200 and then you'd be like, okay, well, I'm up to 210. So I know I can get down to 200. So instead of 160 or 180 being the mark, 200 was like kind of like the mark. So then where did you start? Like you said you kind of did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but never something that you really committed yourself. Yeah. Was it... Because you didn't know what to do? Was it because kind you of. just... Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't have any sort of, like, true exercise program. I just knew, like, if I stayed active with sports-related activities, that it might be able to keep more of my exercise or more of my weight in check. So I would um, go rollerblade around Balboa Park, which is, like, a three-mile length, you know? And that would take me about an hour, hour and a half to do. So I figured that was good exercise. Or I'd go for a walk around the block. Or, you know, I just, I'd try to do other things that I think would work, but I never really fully committed to it or, like, looked into it and said, hey, this is, like, a structured program. This is going to help me. So then when did you decide that this new normal of staying around 200 was not what you wanted? You wanted to come lower, into where you are now? I think once I finished with my physical therapy school, that's when I really wanted to like make sure that I got down a lot and kind of like changed my whole life. Um, the rest of the time, I knew the weight was there and it just never really bothered me. I just figured, oh, well, this is how I am now, you know, and just kind of accepted it. But then once it kept getting higher and higher, I was like, no, this, this has got to change. This, this isn't who I am. I've always been a very athletic person. I've always been a very relatively, like, um, shapely person. So when I started to, like, get the typical, I hate to use the air quotes, but dad bod, that's when I was just like, no, this, this isn't cool. This isn't who I am. So I knew if I wanted to get back, I had to kind of, like, fight to get back to where I was at. So it seemed like the, almost like the pain, I don't want to say pain, the um, discomfort of staying in that maintenance was much l higher than having to do like the workouts or having to uh, change your eating habits, it yeah. seemed like. Yeah, I think a lot of it too was the self-conscious aspect. Like I would get out of the shower and the mirror would be right there and you know, I'd look at my body and be like, oh, damn, like, dude, you're putting on weight, you know, and you see that every day. And unless you actively go to change it, you know, it's not going to change. You know, I, I knew my eating habits weren't great. Um, I, I wasn't within like any sort of structured eating program. I would just eat things because they tasted good. And I was like, well, I stay active. So 
that should be enough. And it really wasn't. I mean, like I was eating Taco Bell six days a week, you know, or, you know, Del Taco or like a lot of my food was made up from processed food, fast food, what was convenient and easy and could be picked up on the way home. Was a lot of it having to do with like how busy you were? Because I can only imagine physical therapy assistant school is very intense. There's a lot of information you have to memorize and stuff like that. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, studying like, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. So it would be going to school, coming home, doing whatever I had to do. <laughs> and one of the things that was funny was like in my head, I thought I was controlling it by like controlling my lunch. So whenever people were going out to lunch, I'd have like this turkey chili. And I always had turkey chili for lunch. And in my mind, I was like, okay, this is the key. If I eat turkey chili, then it's going to like make everything better. It's the new superfood. Yeah, you know, because it worked before. It worked with helping me maintain my weight by just having a can of chili for lunch. That's what I do when I first started to get in jiu-jitsu. And I kind of had like a spurt of like, you know, weight loss and exercise. And then I was like, okay, well, this is what I did to get to that point. So maybe if I just inject this it would help out and to support it did because if i did go eat out every day like you know my classmates did that probably would have been even bigger so at a certain point yeah it did help out but at the same point it wasn't enough just on its own to bring my weight down to where i would feel comfortable with it it was just enough to like stay maintained or like drop like a few pounds and then come up yeah, exactly. What about like your your value as a as a person? Because that's something that I talk a lot about in my story of how um, when I gained all this weight, all of a sudden it it affected how I valued myself as a human being, how um, just I presented myself in the world, like more timid. Um, For sure. So did that? Did you ever feel like that period of your life, that weight gain, affected your value as a person? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wasn't as comfortable in my own skin. Um, I'd be conscious of things that I wore and make sure like my stomach wasn't showing too much or if I didn't look too fat in it. And I think that's like something where it's not talked about enough. It's more of like a women thing where men don't want to say like, oh, I, I don't wear this or I don't wear that because it makes me look fat, you know, because they'll make it seem like it's more like effeminate or make them feel like more demasculinated. But Everybody goes through it. I mean, you wear certain clothes because they make you feel good, right? And you wear other clothes because they don't make you feel good. So That's a good point because I think uh, at least one of the prejudice, prejudices, I'm saying that word wrong, but that's okay. As long as you guys understand me. Um, is like when I was younger is, well, it's not that big of a deal if guys gain weight because society isn't as harsh on them, I could say. Whereas with women, it's more of you're only beautiful if you're skinny. Yeah. It's an interesting um, topic that I don't think we talk a lot about is just the differences between if a guy gains weight versus uh, a female. Like I, f at least as a younger, like in school, maybe it's, it's more important or maybe it's less important. I don't know. But did you ever feel like you were treated differently because you were bigger at that time no i don't think anyone treated me differently but i treated myself differently mm. you know like you're talking about that self-worth um i don't feel like i gave myself as much self-worth because like if i was talking down myself i'd definitely bring weight into it 
So, yeah, it was definitely something that was always in the back of my head. So then when did you start to really get on track and become a little bit more disciplined in your weight loss? Um, like what, what changed? What, was it the P that you started the P90X program? Well, I, I didn't really start that until I kind of completed my weight loss because I knew once I'd lost the weight that something was missing that like almost like it wasn't completed. You know, like if you're doing a project and you finish the project, but you haven't put the paint on yet, that's kind of like what the P90X was with my whole weight loss journey. I got in certain distance, but I needed to finish the project. But yeah, I really started my weight loss when, you know, I was giving my kids baths, noticing like, you know, my belly pressing up against my chest, seeing myself as I stepped out. I think one of the major turning points was when I was watching a, a movie in the movie theater and everybody was laughing at this one scene where this guy was fat and it just, it kind of felt like the whole theater was laughing at me. And it was kind of like that pivotal point where I was like, you know what, I need to change this. If, if everyone's laughing at something and I'm thinking that they're laughing at me, that, that's a serious issue, you know, that's like, that's really affecting my ability to love myself almost, you know, mm -hmm. not to sound too hippie-ish, but yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, something's got to change. And that's when I just started to make little changes in my life to start to create that, um, that journey or that path to healthier living. What like specific changes did you start making? Um, one of the first things I did was uh, I cut out all soda, all sugar, which was a real crutch for me. Throughout the day, I'd have like three or four Mountain Dews just at certain points during the day. Not only for the caffeine aspect, but, you know, the whole soda with food thing, you know. I kind of like link things together. When I was younger, I smoked. And after I ate like a big meal or something like that, I'd have a cigarette and kind of completed the whole process. So with eating, there's certain foods where I felt like I had to have certain sodas to go with that food so the meal would be complete. You know, like if you're having pizza, you'd have to have Coke with pizza, you know, or if I was having like Taco Bell, I need some Mountain Dew to have with the Taco Bell. Like it's certain things like seem like would go together. So trying to break up that pattern, eating food and just having water, it was a real big change for me. It wasn't something that came naturally or quickly. There's like certain days or certain weeks where I'd just be like, screw this, I want to go have a soda. But I knew like, no, you got you to gotta drink your water. That's all you got right now is you got water. So drink it. And sticking to that, getting through the first few months of not drinking soda was hard. But then I started to see the advantages of it, which was the weight loss, better hydration, better endurance overall with like different activities so so you essentially quit uh soda like cold turkey cold turkey you said it was like really hard in the first few months were there times where you did end up like backtracking no, no yeah backtracking or just like giving into that craving no now just straight no. out because i knew once i broke that i'd go back to that same pattern mm. yeah even if it was just one like drink yeah, I'd be going back to that same pattern. And I knew that I just, I couldn't go back. I had to form a new pattern. I had to form a new lifestyle. 
And I think that's one of the most like inspiring and empowering like aspects of your story is that your ability of just to say no. Yeah. Like that just the discipline. Yeah, that that was just like, this is enough, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And then besides the um, cutting out the soda, what else did you change? Did you start like cooking at home or did you? uh, Nothing that crazy at that point, but I also knew that I had to cut down my calories. I didn't know much about how to do that, but I knew that if I could cut down my portion size, I would cut down on my calories. So the next thing I started to do was what I'd call like half portions. So I wouldn't change anything about my diet. That would stay the same. I would serve myself the same foods that I usually would serve myself, but I'd literally like draw a line in my plate and just eat half of what was on my plate. So in my head, I was saying, okay, you're reducing your portion size, um, which will reduce your calories, but also will help shrink your stomach because you're not taking as much food. So your stomach won't be like, hey, we're hungry, we want more food. Never done any formal studies in it, but in my head that made sense. So It worked for you. It worked for me. Did it ever at any point throughout your journey feel like you were obsessing over your weight or did it always seem like you were in control? You know, you had this like plan, this system that has worked for you. So you just have to follow it and you still, you know, feel full of life and um, just happy overall. Yeah, there was never like a structured plan. Um, it was kind of like, see what sticks and go with it. Um, I, I think when I realized that I'd starting to obsess over it, and if it was a good or bad thing, obsessing over it, it was more towards when I was doing my workouts and stuff and trying to maintain at a lower level and then trying to rack through my brain saying, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Why is this working? You know, But getting up to the point where I lost all the weight it was kind of like, throw it at the wall, see what sticks. If it sticks, keep doing it. If it doesn't stick, try something new. Were there any points where you plateaued for like a long time yeah. and that you felt frustrated? and A little bit. Like right around 200, I was trying to break that plateau. And I was starting to introduce exercise into my program. So some of it would be walking. Some of it would be doing the recumbent bike. Like you said, I was plateauing, and I had to think to myself, well, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing, you know, the portion control. I've switched out the the water for the soda, you know. I'm starting to introduce exercise, so burning more calories. Um, And then I remembered um, from school, they would talk about Carvonin formula, which is tracking your target heart rate, so you get in that zone where you're burning fat. And that's when I knew that it was going to be important for me to track my heart rate while I'm doing my workouts. So I ended up getting a fitness tracker. I was able to track my heart rate, put my heart rate where I needed to burn fat. And sure enough, I started to break down from 200 down to 190, 180, and then the mid-170s. Okay. Because I've, I've been hearing like mixed things about the whole target heart rate um theory like you were mentioning like some people say like oh it's really a thing like you need to um stay at a certain range to maximize your fat burn whereas other people claim well it doesn't really matter like that you stick necessarily with the like within this heart range it's more of just giving it your maximal effort for extended duration of time so that you're burning calories and depending on how you fuel yourself that will determine if you're burning muscle versus if you're burning fat. 
Yeah. I mean, so when you exercise, you're expending energy and you're using calories. It just depends what calories are you using. Um, from the studies that I've read, from what I've learned, is that heart rate really targets how you use that energy. Um, if you're going really high with your heart rate above your targeted heart range zone, you're doing more cardio. So you're going to need more carbohydrates. You're going to need more of that instant energy right away. And that's when you can start to burn more carbohydrates is when you go really, really, really high with your heart rate. If you're sticking within more of a moderate range, which would be the target heart range, it gives your body time to break down the fat cells for energy. So if your body has the time to use that energy, it's going to use that energy. And if you're not getting up to that point where you're burning the fat, then your body's just going to use calories to keep doing what you're doing. So I think that's when I plateaued was I wasn't really focused on getting my heart rate up to that range. Mm. So once I started to challenge it more by doing running, and running was able to bring my heart rate up into that heart rate range. Heart rate range. Tongue twister. <laughs> that really was. <laughs> um, I noticed that I was starting to break the plateau and I was starting to lose the weight again. Okay. So I, I think there's, you know, something to be said for both sides of that coin. Um, like you said, you got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everybody's different. Everybody is going to need a different approach. Absolutely. Like the fundamentals are the same. Like energy in has to be lower than your energy out. Um, but how you do it necessarily can vary on your lifestyle, on your experience, Um and again, on like what works for you. And you definitely have to fuel yourself for success. Mm-hmm. Um, all calories aren't necessarily the same, you know. Like I find if I have a weekend where I'm eating like, you know, food that I like, I'm not really focused on calories. I know I always feel sluggish the next couple of days. Whereas if I'm eating really clean, I'm eating clean energy, which I consider like, you know, chicken is really good clean energy. Um, keeping up on my protein, then my body responds in kind. And it's like, hey, you know, you're prepping yourself to do work and do good work because you're fueling yourself with that good stuff. When you're not fueling your stuff with that good stuff, your body's not going to feel good. It's not going to want to do work. And Mm -hmm. I don't know too much about that, but I find that correlation happens with me. Right. It's like putting like um, 87... um degree like gas in a mercedes versus like 91 grade right yeah it's like one is gonna just yeah it might work but it's gonna mess up your engine yeah yeah so then when did you um well you started p90x once you've lost some weight right why p90x i mean that's a really intense program right it is but at the same time i wanted something intense i wanted something that i knew would give me change um i had done the program before and I knew that, you know, it was pretty intense, but I, I did experience that change the time that I did it. So this time when I approached it, I was like, hey, you, you got to approach this like laser focus. Like it's a 90 day program. Um, you want to get the most out of it. So you're going to do the 90 days straight up, no rest days in between. Because the way the program's designed is designed to work different body parts each day. So because of that, you're getting those body parts rest where you're working different muscles, different muscle groups, and that way your body can keep moving and keep changing without having to slow down. 
And from, from what you've told me, it's not always high intensity every day. There's a, you, it's technically a rest day where you do yoga, but you're still moving. Correct. Which is like how you're able to work out every day and not overtrain and not burn yourself out. You still have a little bit of recovery. Yeah, and there's certain days when you do stretching um, and the focus would be more on stretching, more on flexibility. Because you need that, you, especially if you are doing a program like that where you are working out six or seven days a week, you have to stay flexible. Because if you're not, then muscles are going to be tight and you're going to tear something or rip something or injure yourself somehow. So it really focuses on injury prevention. Does the P90X program also talk about like um, how much sleep you're supposed to be getting and like your what foods you should eat? Yeah, there is like a full structured program within that system um, where they have suggestions on different like food ladders you should follow and different ways that you should approach lifestyle changes. I think I just never really looked into it or never had that information available because I had alternative means of acquiring the program, i.e. friends. <laughs> but um, I, I really liked the way it was structured with the workouts. Um, I felt like it really, I responded well to it and I was able to do it as long as I was able to put my mind to it. Mm-hmm. And then as I started to get into it more and more, the first 100 days and then 200 days and 300 days, to me, it wasn't, that much of an intense workout anymore like i'd see what other people were doing at the gyms i'd be like oh wow this isn't really that intense it's like kind of like foo-foo-y you know (laughs) but that's because you're in the thick of it you know you've been doing it so much and so regularly that i think it just became so scheduled that i didn't notice that it was as intense so when i told people i was doing they're like wow man that's intense i'm like yeah kind of but not really but you built up to it. Like, you definitely have to build up to it. It wasn't like something where I did it for a week. And I was like, yeah, I'm mastering this. Like it took me like a month or two just to complete like a whole disc, you know. But that was kind of like the whole mantra that the trainer, Tony Horton, has. It's like just do your best every time and forget the rest, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'd do. I'd give it everything I'd have. And then when I'd given it all, I'd just stop. You know, it, it wouldn't matter if I completed the disc. Wouldn't matter if you know I only did half of the disc. I was showing up and I was doing it every day. So what I could do grew over time. To the point where you mentioned you had you were doing the workout twice. Yeah, yeah. On some of the cardio days, I felt like I wasn't getting enough of a burn. I wasn't burning enough calories. I wasn't happy where I was ending with the with the program at that day. So I'd do it one and a half times, and then one and a half times turned into two times, and then, yeah, kind of evolved from that. It's wild. But that's really impressive, too. Well, thank you. But, it, yeah, it was kind of wild. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the really neat thing about the P90X program is that you don't have to think about, okay, this is my split for the week. This is what, these are what exercises I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do on which days. Like, it's already planned out for you. You just have to show up and follow along yeah no absolutely yeah everything was kind of like scheduled um i guess even with like doing it for 400 days i had some of the moves memorized but like you said it's nice you just go and you hit play and everything's kind of laid out for you all you have to do is just you know follow what they're doing you know Mm -hmm. and i think the other cool thing like you mentioned um 
previously is that they offer different levels. So it's not like you just do one version. It's like you have the the easier version and then like the main version. And then does it also have like a harder version? Well, usually they'd have like three different actors doing the workouts. So one would show like modified moves in case like, you know, you have different orthopedic problems or you're older or, you know, you're not able to move the same way that other people are able to move. They modify the move so people can still like be incorporated in the program. Um, Then there is the normal way of doing it. And then I think every once in a while they'd have somebody who is doing like higher level moves, like doing the moves, but with weights, you know. Okay. So he gave you that next level and gave you that level of progression within the same workouts so you could, like, you know, raise it up a notch, raise it up a notch. Nice. That's really awesome. Now, one of the, I guess, downsides that I see is that you're doing this program at home. Like, one of the biggest, uh, I would say, contributors to my success was that I had a community. I had people that held me accountable. I had uh, friends that I looked forward to see at the gym. Whereas at least when the pandemic hit and I was working at home, like there was no one to watch, you know, how much I was pushing myself. There was no one to see, you know, if I was even working out. So for me, working at home was a lot more, a lot harder. Um, But did you like, did you feel like you, you could slack off? At least in the beginning, did you feel like you could slack off because no one was watching you or was it just because you were so determined to, you know, get to your goal that you just gave it your all from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think it was self-accountability, self-responsibility. Um, I had in my brain what I wanted to do each time. So the first time was just completing the 90 days straight up. Okay. And then once I did that, I was like, hey, I just did 90 days straight up. You know, that wasn't too bad. So let's go for 180. You know, what else can I do? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to raise that bar. I wanted to push my body and push the envelope and see, okay, you did 90, now do 180. You did 180, now do 360. You did 360, how much farther can you go? So once I hit that 400 mark, I kind of like looked back down the mountain. I was like, oh, crap, I'm up pretty high. You know. <laughs> so, and it also takes a lot out of my day too. Like, um mental aspect of getting yourself to do it was a lot different than the time frame that takes to do it. And I think that's one of the things why they switched up the program was for some people, they don't have an hour or two to dedicate to working out every day. So they did like a P90X2 and a P90X3 and they tried to condense everything down so you could do the whole program in like a half an hour or 45 minutes. For me, I really like the whole aspect of there is some rest time in between the exercises. You do start with stretching. You do finish with a cool down. I felt like it was a really complete program and it worked for me. So I was willing to put in the time that it was required, put in the two hours, because some days that's what it would take. I mean, each program is set up as an hour. But with me and taking breaks and taking my time, and it would usually be one to two hours a day. What about like the act, like the social aspect? Like, did you ever feel like you were missing some sense of community? I would have loved to have like a workout partner. Yeah, that like- would have been great. But I think a lot of people felt intimidated by the program, and they never really wanted to join in with me. 
like my brother, he did one day of uh, the cardio kickboxing and it kicked his butt. And I was just like, dude, all we're doing is like punching the air and kicking the air. Like it's not that intense. But he's like, oh man, I was sore for like two, three days afterwards. So I think, you know, he didn't come into the same mindset that I came into where it's just kind of do your best and stop there. He was like, oh, I got to keep up with Dan because he's my younger brother. So if he can do it, I need to do what my younger <laughs> brother's able to do, you know? So, um, but I, at a certain point, I, like you said, I was looking for that social aspect. So I kind of like reached out and I saw, well, who else is doing P90X? So I'd like check on Facebook and I saw that they had a whole group of people on Facebook who were a part of this community who were doing P90X. So I think that's how I kind of tied into more of like a social network was by doing the Facebook groups, um, seeing what other people were going through through the program, being like, oh yeah, disc two sucks. It's like, yeah, you're right. At this point, it does really suck because you just want to quit, but you push through it. So that kind of was cool because it was kind of like the aspect of going to the gym, but you know, just kind of separated because you bunch of different people from around the nation coming together into this group nice and so then you you had uh like just to be able to share your your accomplishments like you know i you know finished the disc three today or you know i dropped uh, x amount of way i reached my goal yeah and at a certain point like friends and family were sick about hearing about like my fitness goals and my my fitness um achievements so I'd be like posting like, hey, I'm able to do like, you know, 20 uh, jumping push-ups now. And, you know, people would be like, dude, all you ever talk about is working out. Like, why don't you talk about something else? Because it's exciting, you know? Because <laughs> this is my life right now. <laughs> so when I'd go on the Facebook groups and I'd like post something like that, I'd have like a bunch of strangers be like, oh, that's awesome, man. Like, I've been struggling with that for a while now. Keep it up. Great work. And I get all this encouragement, whereas my friends and family are just like, dude, really, like, stop talking about it. So I felt that was a really nice resource and that kind of helped push me forward, whereas I felt depressed hearing from my friends and family, like, that's all you ever talk about. Like, your friends and family, you know, they're obviously your support system in life. This is something that we talked about in um, an interview with my professor from our Park College. He was saying that just because... You have support people that support you in life doesn't mean that they're going to be the right people to support you in your fitness journey. And so that's why it's important to find like-minded people, just yeah. like people in that Facebook group. Yeah, I don't think it was a conscious thing on their part, but at a certain point, I think it was a subconscious thing where they're a little jealous of my success with it. You know, they would want that own success too, but everybody's always looking for that magic pill, right? right. They're just like, oh, I want the results, but I don't want to put in the work, you know? Yeah. So them always hearing about me putting in the work and getting the results, they're just like, dude, I don't want to hear this because I know I could do this, but I don't want to do all that stuff that you're going through. So I don't want to even hear about it. Well, sometimes it's like that, but you just gotta, like you said, push through it. And just stay focused on, on your goal and, like, just celebrate the little victories. And like you said, also talking to people who are like-minded and are going through the same stuff, it really helps kind of, like, drive it home. Like, yeah, they know what I'm talking about. They know that this part of the disc is hard or they know that this month is going to be hard, you know. So then now, do you feel like you've reached your goal, like you're just in maintenance? Or do you still feel like you have 
saw a little bit of journey left? Um, yeah, I'm definitely in more of a maintenance phase. And I think at this point, I'm trying to get back into the kicking ass phase where I was like really laser focused on it because I feel like I kind of lost a little bit of that laser focus. Um, and that definitely started after I finished doing my 400 days. Then I take a day off here, take a day off there. And it's kind of like something in my head where I knew it was going to happen. I knew like if I created breaks for myself, then I would take advantage of those breaks and be like, oh, well, it's this or this day, so you can take it off. And then that extends from one day to two days and two days to three days, you know. As in like, I already took off, uh, I don't know, Thursday. I might as well take off Friday. Exactly. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So it's not necessarily gotten in that bad yet, but at the same point, I feel like it's starting to get to that point. So I want to kind of like write the tracks and get back on the track and, you know, get back to more of a scheduled program. Because mm-hmm. you really thrive under those very like, I wouldn't want to say strict because that has a, a negative connotation to it. But I would say like a regimented um, like a system yeah. where, you know, you're going to be doing some type of movement every single day, whether, you know, how intense it is just depends on um like the day it is and like the program from P90X. Well, a lot of it too, I think, is trying to find that flexibility because I know when I was doing the 400 days straight, I was missing out on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that be like meaning what? Just like family stuff. Okay. Like having two young kids, dedicating two hours a day to working out means those are two hours that I was missing out from being with my kids, being with the family, just being present. So taking that one day off during the week was kind of huge because now I have that day where I could spend it with my kids and they enjoyed the time with me and I enjoyed the time with them. But at the same time, back in my head, I'm just like, man, I should be working out. I should be working out, you know? So it's kind of getting past that guilt and knowing like, well, I can still do what I'm doing and still stay scheduled, but be able to take those breaks in between. Where do you think that guilt stems from? Like, is it more of, I made a promise to myself that I need to keep or is it was it more of a fear base of like if I take a day off then it, I'm just going to spiral out of, out yeah, of control it's definitely more of like you know I need to stay scheduled because I'm not scheduled then everything's going to go back the way I was at and I go to 2.30 within a week hmm. you know it's that fear of backtracking because I'd worked so hard to get up this mountain I didn't want to slide down it now did you ever feel like you had proof to validate that, yes, I'm going to go back um, and spiral out of control. Like, was there ever a, a time period that you did take off and then that, like, your weight shot up? Or is it more of... Um, I, I noticed that w- days when I would eat more, I noticed the weight, weight gain fluctuations. So and that's I, something you didn't like? No, 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 not, not at all. And that's when I was saying, I, I try to think in my head, okay, you know, I've gained like two or three pounds. How am I going to get those two or three pounds off? So that week I would really focus on either eating less or doing more, burning more calories, seeing what those changes are that I could get back down to my target rate. Okay, because there's that ideal weight that you want to stay maintained, so you just have to fluctuate your lifestyle based on like the week prior and then how your your weight 
fluctuated from there? Yeah. So if I went up to like, you know, 173, 174, I'd be like, whoa, 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 we got to do something. So I would fluctuate uh, what I'd put into my body. So like what, what specific um, like things would you do or are you doing now that you still did when you were losing weight? Because now that you're in that maintenance phase and it's right. just, you're just balancing between a smaller range of pounds versus, okay, I want to lose, you know, X amount of pounds. Yeah. Like, is it more of like you're eating uh, protein or are you like still dividing your meals in half? Yeah. And not doing the, the half portions or anything like that anymore. Um, it's definitely more regimented, more regime um, during the week. Everything I do, I try to bring in a lot of protein into my body at a low-cal return. I think something to mention as well that um, you talked to me about uh, previously is how you find alternatives uh, to, like, other foods that aren't necessarily the best. Like, um, your, like your muffins. Like, he used to make these... Uh, muffins and he would bring them to the office and he'd tell me like oh I substituted this for that and this for that and it made it uh, less calories but still like super delicious and I was like oh my gosh this is great yeah 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 the, those were good muffins <laughs> <laughs> but yeah exactly you know trying to substitute out things if you still wanted a snack or a, a sweet treat um, especially when everybody else is eating like high caloric intakes, you know, with, you know, cakes and ice creams and stuff like that. It was a nice alternative to still enjoy the food and be with people and enjoying the moment where I'm not have to think to myself, oh, this isn't put on like five or 10 pounds, you know. And sometimes that would mean that you make your own cake that you bring to the, the party. Yeah, or I would say like, hey, you know, I made a healthier like alternative version if you guys want to try this. So it's never like me trying to force my eating habits onto other people, but I was just saying, hey, if you want to try this, this is what I made and this is what I have to present and, you know. And I feel like some people could say like, oh, like that just seems like a lot of extra work or like that just seems like a huge sacrifice. But at the same time, it's not a big enough sacrifice that is really impeding on like the quality of your life. Like you're still spending time with your loved ones. It's just you have like an extra. I, I guess it was my different form of doing half portions. You know, if I could substitute out a lot of bad things and still enjoy and having like a little sweet treat or something like that. It was a different way of doing it. So I could have like taken a big piece of cake and cut it in half and said, hey, instead of this being 1,000 calories, now it's 500 calories. I could have two of these muffins that were 500 calories and know that they have healthier ingredients in them. Mm -hmm. I, I really like the fact that you, you're able to substitute um, foods because I, I know that's one of, a, like, one of the biggest like, struggles that my clients have is how do you balance uh, your social life, you know, eating out with friends, birthday parties, uh, holidays with your your goal that you want to lose weight. And it's a lot of it. It's yeah, it's maybe a little bit extra work, maybe a little extra um, planning that you have to do. But like it's it's very doable. Um, and the more that you do it, the more um, normal it becomes. Right. 
Yeah, and the more that you deny yourself those other foods, you're going to crave them even more and more and more. So if you're able to kind of meet halfway and say, hey, this is still really tasty, but I know it's not going to kill me on the calorie range, mm. it's kind of like that marriage of both worlds. There you go. Exactly. Very nice. So we mentioned, I asked you earlier about how you felt about yourself um, when you were at 200 pounds. Yeah. How do you feel now? How do you feel like the weight loss has changed you? in your self-image? Like a whole different person. I get that a lot too. Um, people haven't seen me in a while. They look at me like, I, I didn't know that was you, you know? Or I'll go back and I'll show them pictures of the way I used to be and they're like, who's that? Like, that's me. And they're like, no. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I used to be that big. Um, but yeah, it's definitely changed how I look at myself. Um, having to buy new clothes was uh, a big deal you know, not fitting into the old clothes and needing to buy new clothes. Um, I know I had put in so much work into losing the weight that I kind of had fun with it. So starting to buy nicer looking clothes, more like, you know, designer labels, stuff like that. And then once I knew, like, you know, I felt more comfortable with my body, I felt more comfortable putting my body out there. So I started to dabble in doing like some modeling on the side and showing off my body more because I put so much time into it. I wanted to show the whole world like, hey, you know, this is what I am. You know, this is the product of all my work. You're, you, This is the work of art that you've been sculpting yes. for months and months. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I like how you reward yourself with like, in your case, luxury items of clothing. Like I, instead of uh, like rewarding yourself with a cheap meal, this is your way of like, yeah, you know, I'm doing an awesome job. You know, I'm going to buy myself a nice, you know, Versace shirt. Yeah, no, definitely got into more Versace stuff. Whereas, you know, I really, it wasn't necessarily something I would think about before the weight loss. But now that I had a nicer looking body, I wanted to compliment that. So I have kind of like fell into fashion and modeling and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of got into it a little bit more because like you said you know you put in all this work you want some sort of little reward for all of that um so yeah it's just something naturally kind of fell into nice and then the other thing that you fell into is cooking yes so tell me about like why what made you fall in love with cooking was it mainly just because you wanted to eat healthier and he eat more homemade foods I think ideally it started out that way. Now it's just become more of a challenge thing, you know, challenging myself to make more um, foods that would be kind of like outside of my comfort zone. But uh, it's just something that's been fun trying to get into and fall into and, you know, nice little side hobby. And it seems like it's also like a creative outlet. Right, you have to not only um, figure out like what are the best ingredients that are gonna, that are gonna help you maintain your weight, but also um, just like different flavors, right? Like you were just telling me today, uh, you made you made your thousand dollar was it steak? Yeah, <laughs> with like a gold gold leaf on top, and like all these things. Like he tells me, um, you made a cherry reduced sauce with something i mean it's it's really elaborate stuff but i, I don't recommend this for weight loss <laughs> <laughs> but again it's that balance between you know having enjoying life enjoying really good food but at the same time 
like finding that balance of how does it fit into your caloric intake? How does it fit into this goal, this program, this plan that you have created for yourself? Yeah. And I, I think that's still like a learning curve too, like trying to figure out what I do on the weekends with, you know, being creative with uh, culinary goals or aspects, uh, how to incorporate that into my workout program and, you know, keeping my physique the way I want it to be. Um, my, my whole thing is like, I like being at 170. Um, that's a good weight for me. And I like how I look at 170. My body wants me to be at 180 because it's, it's like, okay, you don't need to work out every day. If I just did whatever I did, worked out five days a week, didn't focus so much on the, the regimen with the eating, my body would definitely be up more towards 180. So it's, it's still a struggle that I'm kind of going through, but I know the 170 will win out. Yeah, determination. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the, the biggest takeaway um, from your story is, A, figuring out what works for you, but more importantly is just being that, having that laser focus and having that idea of what is your end goal. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, even just having that powerful enough reason that the discomfort of the things that you have to do, uh, you know, exercising, you know, paying attention to what you're eating, that is a stronger motivator than staying in your comfort zone, staying in, you know, okay, this is good enough. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Number one is motivation. You need something to motivate you. And it, it could be like, you know, whatever. It, it could be your partner, like trying to better yourself for your partner. It, it could be trying to better yourself for yourself. Um, it could be like you're not happy with the way you're at right now. But you need that motivation factor because you need something to push you every day. And then number two, like you said, it's the dedication and the focus. If you don't have the dedication and the focus, the motivation won't matter. If you have the dedication and the focus and you don't have the motivation, you're not going to succeed. You need both of those aspects working at the same time for you to get some real change going on. Mm -hmm. And it really has to be like, a, I think, more of an enjoyment or more of a, I want to reach X goal because I can prove it to myself that I can reach it versus I need to punish myself uh, for looking this way, for being overweight. Yeah. I mean, it's not a very healthy motivating factor. I think that's where like having a personal trainer helps out a lot. You know, if you have somebody who you feel like you have to stay accountable towards, if you have somebody who's able to help you push you towards your goals in like a healthy and nurturing way, I think that helps out a lot. So I think what you do is a very valuable asset to your clients. There you go. I, uh, I told Dan to say that, by the way. <laughs> All this uh, self-promotion. Thank you. Thank you. No, but, you know, it's definitely having someone that you need to be accountable for or be accountable with. To. Um, to? Thank you. Um, is a very powerful, um, like help, but at the same time, like I can't motivate you to work out on your own. I can't motivate you to, um, you know, pay attention to what you're eating. Like it, it still needs to come from within you. I can only do so much. I can guide you. So speaking about guides, um, what would your present self, uh, what advice would you give your, your past self in terms of just 
advice, weight loss advice, life advice. Why'd you take so long? <laughs> ah, interesting. Why'd you take so long? Yeah, I mean, the, seriously, that was one of the things that came into my mind is like, why didn't I have this focus? Why didn't I have this desire when I was younger? Because my life could have been a lot different if I'd focused on this earlier. Um, but I, I think he, everybody's got to go through a certain process on their own, you know, like a self-discovery. Mm -hmm. um, if it wasn't through that self-discovery, I don't think I'd even be at this point. Like if somebody told me in my 20s, hey, you're going to be your fittest at 45, I'd be like, no, dude, you're crazy. Like that's way too late. Nothing's going to happen at 45. So I, I guess the biggest takeaway is it's never too late to, um, to kind of like achieve your dreams. You know, you just, you have to have that dedication. You have to have that focus and you have to have that desire. If you don't have those things, it won't matter. I like that. I love that, actually. It's, it's a message of don't just go along with life is like focus your life into what you want. Sure. And it's never too late. You know, you can always achieve your dreams as long as you have it and you're willing to work for it. There you go. All right. Well. To uh, end on that positive note, uh, we're going to start wrapping up the episode. Sadly, this interview is about done. Thank you, Dan, so much for coming and sharing your story. Thank you so much. We're going to continue with the uh, manifest challenge. I don't know if you've heard about it. So that's uh, something, it's an action that I give every episode just to help the listeners focus on something. Usually it uh, pertains to the topic of what we're talking about. So in this case, we had talked about um, trying a new recipe, something that you're going to provide. I don't know if it's just going to be one recipe or a few. Um, we'll figure it out and then I'll put in the description uh, the link to your Instagram. Um, and that way people can maybe try a new recipe, a new healthy recipe. There you go. Well, I'll have to come up with a new healthy recipe. <laughs> It's in the works, but it'll be done by the time this episode is posted. Absolutely. There we go. All right. So unfortunately, that is the end of this interview with Dan. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I had a blast. That's good. That's good. Uh, hopefully you learned a lot of good information and you can take away um, some really good strategies and, you know, empowerment from from this interview. Girl power. <laughs> Girl power. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Fitness Manifest podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Sedeno. Let me know on Instagram who else I should invite. And until next time, remember to do your manifest challenge. Side effects might include motivation, empowerment, giggles, enlightenment, inspiration. Boop, boop.